This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. And welcome, everybody, to a comics episode of the Animaniacast. What? This is Maurice LaMarche, the voice of Squid the Pigeon from the Good Feathers and Animaniacs. And you're listening to the Animaniacast. Don't hit me, pesto! And welcome once again to the Animaniacast. We're the only podcast out there that's dedicated to the animated television series, Animaniacs. And here we explore the series episode by episode. We talk about all the cultural references and gags that we can find. And of course, in the end, we give each episode a Water Tower rating. I am Joey, and joining me once again is my brother, Nathan. I scream, you scream, we all scream for, uh, huh? <laughs> yes, we're all screaming for a new comic book. Indeed. <laughs> I don't know. Tried to think of some sort of transition there. Uh, but <laughs> Kelly is not with us today. It is Kelly's birthday on the day we're recording this. So, oh, happy birthday, Kelly. Happy birthday, Kelly. She gets the night off. Does she listen to this? I don't. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, we are going to be talking about an, epi- an episode, not an episode, a comic, an issue. Of Animaniacs. We're talking about issue number 10 of Ooh. Animaniacs today, which was released in February of 1996. It includes a comic is a comic book is born. Uh, it includes a useless fact, a really challenging, uh, you know, crossword puzzle and another, uh, segment called the ice cream man cometh. And, uh, yeah, this was a very interesting comic. I liked it quite a bit. Uh, but, Nathan, what would you say about it if someone asked you about it in a few words? Um, I learned things in this, I think. <laughs> I did, too. I yeah. did, too. I actually was, like, looking at this going, huh. And those useless facts were actually kind of interesting in the middle. And, um and that whole know. first segment was... And the first segment know. was very educational as well. Uh, so... Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. This is perhaps the most educational issue of Animaniacs that we've seen so far. Yeah. Well, before we get to our discussion about today's comic, though, in detail, I think we need to have a very special announcement. Because coming up soon, we will have a very special episode of the Animaniacast. What? That's right. (laughs) Uh, I will be making a trip to Los Angeles, the greater Los Angeles area, I should say, (laughs) Um, because we have an interview scheduled with not only the creator of Animaniacs, our good friend, Tom Ruger, but joining him will be the trio that we all love the most. The good trio. The good trio. Yes, it's not the, not the not the Water Brothers and the Sister Dot, but Pesto, Bobby, and Squint. That's right. We're going to be talking to Maurice Lamarche, John Mariano, and Chick Venera, all together in the same room. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! It's a Good Feathers reunion, ladies and gentlemen. So this is big news. Very exciting news. And uh, these guys have not, you know, seen each other for a few years. Uh, so they're excited to see each other as well. And uh, we're going to have a lot of fun just talking about, oh, gosh, what it was like working together on Animaniacs, uh, their, you know, their characters and all that. But uh, if you have any questions uh, out there, everybody, Nathan, where should they send them? What are some ways they could tell us? Uh, they questions? should send them to us. That's true. How? <laughs> uh, Discord is a great way to do it. We're we're really quick there. There's also uh, a Twitter. We have a there's a Twitter account for Animaniacast, right? Just uh, I, there, at Facebook. There's, there's we have a Facebook page. So you can submit questions to there. Um, I I don't know what what email? did I miss any email email is always a thing. It's a it has existed since you've got mail and before. 
Um, yeah, that's right. You got mail. And uh, yeah, so that's animaniacast at retrozap.com. And of course, our Discord channel is discord.animaniacast.com. So many different ways to get in contact with us, but you have to make sure you get, if you're listening to this episode on the day it's released, then good for you because you'll, you'll, you should be able to get your questions in on time if you do it right away. Um, mm-hmm. Our interview is scheduled for Wednesday the 12th at this point. So if you get them in before then, you have a chance yeah. to get them in. But Even, yeah, I would aim for getting them by Tuesday at the latest. Yes, I would suggest that because uh, I'm gonna be, yeah, I'm going to be I, traveling. I can't, you know. Yeah, and we'll, we'll probably like run most of these questions by them beforehand too. So Yeah, exactly. So, uh yeah. So anyway, the sooner you get it in, the better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So please do uh, animaniacast at retrozap.com and all of those other channels. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get into our discussion of this issue, this Animaniacs issue. I think we should mention how you can read this stuff. Now, number one, you can go ahead and, of course, get issue number 10 of Animaniacs at maybe your local comic shop. Um I think it's kind I of. I haven't asked them yet. I, I think it's kind <laughs> of unlikely. I just, you know, I was just at Tucson Comic Con a few weeks ago, and I went to a few places and asked them if they had uh, Animaniacs comic books, and they looked at me like I was insane. So that's a little hard to do from a local comic book shop. Uh, so what I would suggest doing is just getting them online. You can purchase them from various different online comic shops pretty easily, or you could simply look for some. Uh, we'll say preview images online. Yeah, sample. Sample. Sample images <laughs> where you can see the entire comic book uh, scanned and everything like that so that you can uh, read along that way. Uh, just be careful. There are, at least the site that I saw, uh, had various pictures of women that you could go on dates with and uh, and stuff like that. So. Uh, they're hey. not real though, yeah, so don't we, try we don't yeah please don't click on these women i don't we have we have no responsibility if your identity is stolen by <laughs> clicking on those ads um, but uh it's a great way to you know at least see the the comic books uh, right there issue number 10 has a very gratuitous a special gratuitous pinup cover Nathan, tell us what happens here on the cover of Animaniacs. I mean, there's not a lot to say about this no, one. It's actually not. there's a, it's a, um, there's Yakko, Wacko, and Dotter on it. Uh, Yakko and Wacko are looking at something. I'll get to that in a in a minute. But their tongues are hanging out, and they've dropped paint on the floor. It looks like were they painting and this issue with this guess, cover? And, but they must have stopped right away because there's nothing but blue behind them. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, they painted the word Animaniacs at the top of the page. That's yellow and red. Um, right. And so what they're looking at is Hello Nurse, and she's huge. Um, I'm guessing they painted her on the wall? I don't really yeah, I understand. Yeah, they painted her. They painted, I think they painted the whole cover because I see, see Yakko's brush has blue on it. So I guess they just painted the whole cover, including Hello Nurse. Let's just say that happened. Strange. Okay. <laughs> and then they were so proud of their work, they're just staring at it. But it also <laughs> looks like they're staring away from the wall, which is kind of weird. Anyways, Dodd's pointing at them saying, boys, all instincts, no intellects, which I guess makes sense. They must be looking at something off in the distance. Yeah, actually, you're right. I never even thought about how the the line, <laughs> the eye line, uh, you know, is... What did they call this? Sight? Eyesight? Whatever. Yeah. Well, they don't really seem to be... At first glance, you think, oh, they're looking at Hello Nurse. But then you think about it, and it's a flat image behind them, not a three-dimensional object. So why would they be staring ahead? Why wouldn't they be staring <laughs> behind them? Leave it to Nathan to think of the uh, math angles right there. <laughs> but, uh, it, yeah, it's cute but yeah it doesn't make it <laughs> i mean it's so funny because last uh our last issue had such a enormously detailed cover and this one has such a simple cover it's almost like somebody just kind of slapped it together at the last minute and said oh just put hell on on the front has really nothing much to do with either of the uh the you know segments inside at all um 
it's just there. But whatever. Any thoughts about the cover before we talk about the the real stuff here, Nathan? Um, it looks fine. I was kind of hoping there was like going to be a pinup thing in the inside, like a giant hello nurse yeah. based on the cover. I was like, oh, that's cool. There's going to be like an extra like like poster, basically. But I nope. I, I just misread, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. (laughs) Uh, Well, let's go ahead and talk about the first story. And the first one is called A Comic Book is Born. How appropriate that we're coming out with the, uh, this year, A Star is Born. Just got made again for like... Did you see that? Third or fourth time. I have. I saw it too. It, I, it was a very, very powerful movie. I don't know if I'll be seeing it anytime again soon. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But this one is not talking about any, you know, Lady Gaga (laughs) or a singer. Which is strange. I would think they would be talking about Lady Gaga. Yeah, I was waiting for Lady Gaga to come out. But uh, Comic Book is Born was written by Dana Curtin. The letterer was Bob Panaha. The penciler was Neil Sternecki. Colorist Joe Mint. Munoz, Inker, Scott McRae, and uh, Hello Nurse is as herself. But she doesn't look as herself in this. She really first... doesn't. And she really looks, <laughs> she's really acting dumb in this first uh, panel. The only panel that she's in, by the way. Um, <laughs> Dr. Scratch and Sniff is in his office. And uh, they have, you know, issues of instead GQ. Uh, it's, he has a, <laughs> a issue of PQ on his desk, you know, Psychotics Quarterly. And instead of Newsweek, it's uh, Nuts Week on the uh, table. And he's telling Hello Nurse, hold all calls, nurse. And she says, consider it done, doctor. And she holds the phone, like, in her hands. It's ringing, and she's not picking it up. Yeah. What? And she has this kind of weird, dazed look on her face, like... She just looks so stupid. Like, just, hello, nurse, come on. Like, she's 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 not dumb. I mean, she's been ditzy, but I think so far the comic book especially has been making her feel, or at least appear, especially stupid. Like, the last issue, she was just like, uh, you know, acting like a dumb blonde. And that seems a little inconsistent with what, how hello, nurse you know, truly should act. I mean, the PhDs and everything, you know. (laughs) Exactly. Well, anyway, Dr. Scratch and Sniff tells her to hold all the calls because he has to sneak off into the second office or whatever. He says, at last I am alone. They all laughed at me, but I will have the last laugh with my favorite comic book. And he holds up an issue of Pinky and the Brain. It's issue Pinky and the Brain comic book, which... We had to look it up. Pinky and the Brain comic book did not actually premiere for months later. Uh, I believe issue number one of the Pinky and the Brain comic book came out in July of 1996. And, of course, this was in February of 1996. So, you know, perhaps the the folks over at DC knew it was coming down the pike and they wanted to kind of promote it a little bit, perhaps. What does it say right here on the cover of this fake Pinky and the Brain comic? The Brain is putting Pinky in a cannon and he says... Prepare yourself for takeoff, Pinky. And <laughs> Pinky saying, Take off, but I don't wear clothes, brain. Narf. Huh. I get it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and take off. Uh, <laughs> but he's getting into it, and then all of a sudden, the Warners jump in and, uh, and say, Hey, there, is there a doctor in the house? Just flew in from the water tower, and boy, are my arms tired. Uh, what do you know? There is. It's Dr. Scratch and Sniff. And Wacko immediately starts eating all the candies and his little drawer and everything like that. Dr. Scratch and Sniff is very distressed because he didn't want to be seen. He wanted his private time with his comic book, you know? <laughs> but, you know, the, the Warners immediately grab this comic book, this priceless Pinky the Brain comic book, uh, which, of course, needs to be bagged and boarded, but they don't care. Uh, they they say, oh, Wacko says, look, doctor, you lost something. This is no mere something, Wacko. This is a comic book. They at first think that this is going to be some sort of birds and the bees uh, 
discussion. He says, oh, you are all plunked in the head. Comic books, they are made, not born. It's a beautiful, natural process. And he goes, wait a minute. Yakko tells him, there's no smooching or mushy stuff in here. And uh, Wacko says, there's not going to be a test afterwards in the interaction of diglycerides in the Krebs cycle, is there? Which I didn't get that. Anyway, yeah. they think... <laughs> they. They think, uh, you know, Dot asks, Tom Cruise isn't going to make an appearance shirtless, is he? Nine. And then they're all like, well, why stay? Well, then he basically tells them, you know, no, this is like making a pizza. A comic book is like a pizza because you need all these different toppings and it all comes together for a very, you know, to make the make the whole. And they say, oh, why didn't you say so? Now they're interested because it deals with pizza. So, <laughs> out of nowhere, because yeah, I guess just Dr. Scratchersnip has these displays on his wall, he can pull them down. He <laughs> says, making a comic book begins with the lonely writer alone in the dark. So he pulls up a little, he pulls down a little uh, shade kind of <laughs> map, mm-hmm. I suppose. Uh, yeah, I think there's a projector a playing, projector. I'm guessing. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, because they're, they're going to be watching a film, so he's pulling down the... Yeah, you're right. It is a film, because Wacko says, do we need a parent's signature to, ro- to watch this film? <laughs> um, and it shows the lonely comic book writer writing alone in a very... This is a this poor comic book writer. <laughs> it has a horrible apartment. He's he's sitting on like a, a box... There's like holes in the wall. He has one lone, uh, like light bulb hanging from a, st- a string above him. And, uh, he kind of looks like Fred Flintstone a little bit. <laughs> but anyway, this is this poor comic book writer. He's, he's there and they all basically jump into the, the frame and they pull Dr. Scratch and Sniff in there with him, with them, I should say, uh, to check out what's going on. And, you know, Dr. Scratch and Sniff kind of goes over and talks about how he gets the idea. He paces back and forth. And uh, it, it's kind of a odd situation. I was really expecting the writer to kind of freak out when people jumped into his apartment. But this is like a uh, Christmas Carol situation. They don't see what's going on, really. You know, they're just he's just they they're they can neither see nor hear them. As they go through, even when uh, Dr. Scratch and Sniff tells them that, you know, his ideas are forming, bursting and exploding. Wacko says, that's my kind of nature film. So Wacko puts down a huge amount of dynamite next to him. And uh, he says, no, nine, nine writing is a mental process. All the explosions happen internally. And Wacko says, well, I have the same problem after eating cabbage. Uh-huh. Ew. <laughs> well, they go. So that's the writing process. The writer then cleans himself up and goes over to the courtship stage. And he meets the publisher of uh, Warner Brothers Worldwide Pub- Publish- Publishing. And the publisher is this, uh, you know, she's she she's very glamorous <laughs> comic book publisher. Uh, you know, pink dress. Uh, very almost looks. This looks like almost like a 1940s dame or something like that in an office, doesn't it? Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, he just says, "You'll love it." No, it's the best. No, you'll die laughing. No, and he says, "Please." Oh, all right. So he puts it in, and we start seeing right now Doctor Scratch and Sniff holding up things like the script, and it really almost appears that we're kind of seeing real frames from real writing at this point um it's the script is for mime time uh and they show a little magnifying glass zooming in of like rewriting and you know wacko yakko is saying you call this a comic there's no pictures and he goes yeah that's that's because it's not born and so they, the next step is to... I thought they said, it's made, not born. Get your story straight, Dr. Scott. Yeah, said. exactly. That's, he keeps going back. <laughs> Get your metaphors. Well, okay. speaking of getting your metaphors straight, now he starts turning into, instead of a pizza, it very, has very quickly turned now into, is as the script is a, like a comic book pupa. And uh, like a bookworm? Gross. Speaking of grub, wins lunch. Ha! Huh. 
<laughs> so getting somebody hey. I like this comic so far. It's, it's lots of little puns like this the entire time. <laughs> uh, so anyway, the penciler gets it, and the penciler's wearing a freakazoid shirt. That's cool. Yeah, I bet he drew that himself. Probably. Penciler, right? <laughs> yeah. So the penciler right here is uh, is. You know, this is such a weird situation because I'm actually thinking, gosh, you know, this was written to talk about how a comic book was written, and it starts breaking uh, so many different walls of like, I, 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 this must have been a very complicated issue to actually write so far because, anyway, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so he talks about how the penciler is, uh, he, he incubates the comic pupa into infancy. Uh, and he's just like a baby chick. Nine, nine. In cube eight. From the Latin cubatium. To put in a box. Uh, I don't know if that's really Latin, but whatever. Dr. <laughs> uh, so he, he starts showing how everybody is. The penciler kind of makes little boxes for every little thing in his studio. And uh, hey, he has a. This guy really likes his work because he also has a plucky duck trash can. Mm hmm. He loves working. He's, he's doing a lot better off than that writer was. Too. Yes, I agree. This the poor writer has no money. <laughs> the the penciler at least has a house, yeah. uh, and he gets to relax with his shoes off as he's uh, drawing this too. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Anyway, uh, so now that we have this uh, basic sketch right here, they pause to actually show you what it looks like, and uh, it looks very sketchy. Uh, and I don't mean it like it looks sketchy, like something's <laughs> wrong with it. I don't I mean, want to walk down that alley. <laughs> it just shows like the basic pencil sketches. And it really does look like, well, real pencil sketches. It looks really cool. Um, they just show like, you know, the beginnings of the comic. Uh, the next step is then it goes over to <laughs> the letterer. The letterer now teaches the toddler the toddler comic to speak. And so the letterer goes in and then adds all the different things. Uh, They make this little joke to, uh, you know, there's a little panel that just says the word wham. And Wacko says, why isn't wham in a balloon? I want a wham balloon. And Dot says, because no one says wham, wham is a sound effect. (laughs) And Yakko says, girls, they think they always know everything. Here you go, yeah. Here you go, Wacko. And he gives him a balloon, like a blue balloon, and on top of it, it says "Wham." Aww. And Wacko was very happy because now he has a Wham balloon. Anyway, <laughs> moving on, uh, they they the they go on after the penciler. He goes, like all adolescents, the comic is now rough, unfinished, in need of discipline. <laughs> in short, it must be cleaned up. That is inked. Or that is inked. <laughs> uh, but I thought the penciler incubated it. Nine, the penciler incubated it. Inc. Inc. Corporate is the Latin incorporatorium, tium, whatever, t- to give form <laughs> with ink. So the inker goes in and then really kind of, you know, goes through and makes the penciler lines look all nice and yeah it makes them thick and everything yeah exactly so we're getting a really cool thing and then at the very last uh, stop there's only one stage left before our comic reaches full maturity the colorist and uh, this woman is there and they're all telling her to do different colors like Yako really thinks that puce would be a really great color to put in the comic Hmm. but I think uh, the colorist did not do a good job though you see that comic she made See the mime? Yep, the mime. You're right. The mime's face is colored incorrectly. <laughs> well, for mime time, I really want to blame the colorist because they were like all over her, like telling her, you know, bothering her. I can't yeah, really... it was hard for her to concentrate on making a mime not look like... Exactly. <laughs> Made the mime just human. Just some oh, human man. getting crushed by an anvil. I really feel sorry for the, the, <laughs> the DC colorists here because they... I mean, it is easy to go hard on them because sometimes they have made some pretty awful mistakes on this comic book, you know, with Slappy or whomever. Mm-hmm. It's like, come on, get your, you got to get the reference colors right, please. Anyway, 
Uh, and after that, you have your finished comic book, perfect for reading, recycling, or simply lining your birdcage. Knock yourself out, says Yakko to Squit the Pigeon, who is all of a sudden in Dr. Scratch and Sniff's office in a birdcage. Um, I don't know why <laughs> Scratch and Sniff would be talking about how the comic is so great, and you could, by the way, you can just recycle it or put it in a birdcage. So, I don't know, <laughs> it seems... Um, but Dr. Scratch and Sniff then turns to everybody and says, Just as a side note, the editor works behind the scenes throughout the entire process. It is there... It is their job to make sure everything runs smoothly and on time. Yes, the editor, sweet creatures of love and light, talented, generous, beautiful beings that they are. And uh, the Warners realize this lovey-dovey talk about the the editor is actually uh, just the writer of this comic book trying to, you know, you know kiss up. So he says, yeah, just to as, the editor. Yeah, just as a hint, kids, the writer of this comic book is counting, is courting the editor so she can make another. Uh, and and in public, too. Have these writers no shame? So the Warners go off and they uh, they leave Dr. Scratch's sniff alone in the room as he's just going, oh, the editor. And he opens up the door and realizes that the Warners have gone off into a other room and in that other room is really how comic books are made and it's kind of like this Dante's Inferno <laughs> hell mm. hellscape where there's a volcano and the the editor is wearing like an executioner's mask smoking a cigar saying draw quicker or you'll be sent to quality control and snapping a whip over these Artists who are frantically drawing comic books on uh, artist boards and everything. He says, don't be fooled, kids. We all know this is how comic books are really made. But don't tell Dr. Scratch and Sniff. And, uh, nah. and Dot says, I guess Wurthan was right. Which I don't, I don't get either. It's like there's these references yeah. to stuff. Uh, anyway. And then the marketing department is even lower down in, in this uh, inferno, apparently. And instead of the end, it says the eternity with flames. Anyway, that was our educational comic. And this is actually really just neat to visually look through um, above all. But uh, Nathan, what did you think about this first segment? Um, I liked it. I mean, like, um, I didn't find it particularly funny necessarily, but I enjoyed it. And I liked a lot of the little references they drew in. I think... The writer and the uh, uh, what, the penciler. I think they did the best of the work of all the people, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess the the inker was it did a well job of inking things, but the colorist didn't do a great job. They didn't really focus that much time on the colorist, did they? They're just like, and eh, the colorist does this, and they finish it, and they they're done. I did like that. The uh, you know. I, uh, a lot of the jobs were women jobs, like about half of them. So that's true. Like well, this editor. was this was written by uh, what's oh. her what's her name here? This Dana. Was Dana. This was written by Dana. There is no Dana, only Zool. This is written by <laughs> oh, sorry. This Dana. is written by Zool. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is written by Dane Curtin. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it was nice to see that you know it's there's a female writer, a female uh, uh, yeah, editor of the comic book. Yeah, so you get some good female representation right here. So. You're right. Even though she portrayed the writer in the comic book as a male, uh, you know, whatever. It all, it all works out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I agree. It was a very uh, educational and amusing. I wouldn't say, like, you know, laugh out loud funny or anything like that, but still very amusing, yeah. very cute. And, and there's a lot of, like, little things. Like, if you squint, you know, like reading the notes for the original submission to the thing where it's like, is this... Is this legal to say it's a bird, it's a plane? Is, <laughs> that might be, uh, <laughs> you know. Um, and it like, oh, and then an anvil drops. And it's like, what about a marshmallow instead? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Know, it's like that. Yeah, it's, and, it's a very, there's a lot of, lot of uh, detailed stuff right here. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I had to yeah, look Yeah, it's up, just that the colors didn't mess up the mime's face. Just, yeah, it's <laughs> just that one small thing. Uh, I had to look up Wortham right here. 
is a German-American psychiatrist and author. Wertham had an early reputation as a progressive psychiatrist who treated poor black patients at his Lafargue Clinic when mental health services for blacks were uncommon due to racialist psychiatry. Uh, Wertham also authored a definitive textbook on the brain and his institutional stressor findings were cited when courts overturned multiple segregation statutes, most notably in Brown versus Board of Education. I have no idea what Wertham has to do with... Um, it's, it, it, he, he apparently was uh, concerned about the effects of violent imagery in mass media and the effects of comic books on developing children. Uh, he asserted that comic books caused youth to become delinquents. So... Um, there we go. He probably that had something to do with the comic books code and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, okay. So now we're getting that little again, but it's like so self-referential in this one, right? And like that one's something that only comic book writers, I feel like. Yeah, but I like, really, oh yeah, but that's why I really appreciated this first issue, this first uh, segment, I should say, because it works for kids. You know, like I'm oh, just going to teach kids how comics are made, but <laughs> it has those really kind of little inside jokes um, that I had to use the internet to figure out the answer to. (laughs) (laughs) And that's cool. Um, Well, speaking of cool facts, we're not done with them because next we have useless facts. And this month we're talking about letters. Very appropriate. We're just talking about, you know, comics and letters and things like that. So the first fact, which again, I did not know this fact printing was originally done with thousands of blocks of movable type which are organized into two cases and so hence the term uppercase which was a box of capital letters which was above and then lowercase which was in a different box and uh yakko points to the guy setting the type and saying and mental case uh nathan did you ever have a opportunity to actually set a printer with actual type, like little metal letters at all? No. Well, I've seen those, but I've never done one myself, I don't think. I have. <laughs> Where did you do it <laughs> I at? did it in high school in my printing class. And even no. though it was in the mid-90s, for some reason, we were still being told how to set type with a type like press and everything like that. We had a, maybe because it was just all the, the high school could afford perhaps. I don't know, but we made our own business cards and, uh, they were just basic type and we had to go search for the letters and go to the different boxes and everything like that. It was kind of fun for how simple it was, but, uh, or archaic, I should say it is, but, um, glad I don't have to do that anymore. I'd much rather just type out what I want to, <laughs> Have printed, <laughs> right? And have it printed, um, but yeah. So uppercase and lowercase was based upon the boxes. I thought that was kind of cool. Did you know that, Nathan? Did you know that? No. Well, I didn't know. Yeah, I knew that they used to type that way, but I didn't know that's why they called them uppercase and lowercase. I, yeah. I just thought it was because it was a bigger letter, and that makes it upper. yeah, it's upper and it's lower. I don't know, but <laughs> uh, no, it's all dealing nope. with boxes and cases. <laughs> It's all dealing with literal cases that are up and down. There, go figure. Well, the next fact is, although hyped by typewriter manufacturers as easy and efficient, the current QWERTY layout, I should say, of typewriter keys was really created to prevent jamming. Though not efficient at all, it is still in use today. And it shows Dot kind of with her fingers tied up in knots saying, Yeah, but what keeps my fingers from jamming? Yeah, fingers all twisted up. So, um, yeah, I guess just so. Have you ever? Do you remember typing with a typewriter? Have you ever used a typewriter for typing anything, Nathan? Um, no, I think I typed on one at like my grandmother's house, but I think that was it. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Our grandmother had a, a, a typewriter, and that's honestly that's how I learned about how typewriters can jam because when you, <laughs> I think we when broke it a couple times. Exactly. Yeah. When you're a kid, you just start slamming the keys down and, uh, <laughs> and oh, these are sticking together now. So, <laughs> and this last fact, uh, I don't know if it necessarily has, 
that much to do with letters. It's an acronym. The word tip, as in gratuity, is an acronym meaning to ensure promptness. And uh, Yakko says the only tip he's going to eat is don't eat yellow snow because they've been waiting so long at this restaurant that Wacko and Yakko were fine, but Dot has turned into a skeleton. Mm, I bet she'll regenerate because she's a Time Lord. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) (laughs) And yet somehow kept the same physical being or something. You know what? It's possible. You know, cartoons are unlikely, but well, cartoons can get, you know, smashed and crushed and everything. They keep coming back. They're fine. Well, Um, were you able to solve all the, uh, the next crossword? Yeah. Nathan, tell us about the crossword puzzle right here. So it's called what's in a name and it shows dot and she's celebrating. And like, some of these are pretty hard. It's like cut along the blanket line. I, it's three letters. Yeah. Um, Department of Transportation abbreviation. It's three letters. All these are three letters. It's weird. <laughs> uh, the basic symbol in Braille, three letters. Um, connect the blanks, short for Dorothy. I don't know. Um, there's uh, about 18 of these, uh, 17. Uh, I guess there's only nine of them. Well, I'll get, yeah, each answer, Nathan, is what? Dot. Each answer uh, dot is matrix dot, printer. Dot, dot matrix. your eyes and cross your T's. Okay, so uh, and of course then the, Wacko the, says apparently uh, everything, and Yakko says I still say we should have called her Daco. Daco. Uh, <laughs> Wacko and Daco. <laughs> um, and of course, uh, there's the last answer which I liked, which of course is polka dot. It's <laughs> good. If you insist. Uh, anyway. Well, that after that brain twister of a crossword puzzle, I think <laughs> it's time for another story. So, Nathan, tell us, what is the next story? It's called... Um, well, I'll tell you what it's called. I'll yeah, tell, you what tell it's me called. what it's called. I'll tell, tell me you. who wrote it and penciled it. Okay, and okay, okay. I will, I will. <laughs> Just for the record, it's the Ice Cream Man Cometh. Oh, okay. Now I know which one. And the about. writer was Jesse Leon McCann. I wonder if that's any relation to John, John McCann. John P. McCann. <laughs> no, not John P. McCann. Uh, I, I don't think there's any relationship to John McCann, but maybe? I'll have to reach out to him online. Penciler was Leonard Batik. Inker was Scott McRae. Letterer Bob Panaha. Colorist Joe Mignot. Nathan, tell us what happens here in The Ice Cream Man Cometh. All right, well, it is a sweltering hot day on the Warner Brothers studio lot, and the Warners are all uh, sitting on the edge of the water tower pretending to fish, I guess. Uh, They got the fish rods out and Dot singing a song. Uh, She's saying someone's cooking in the kitchen with Dinah, baking at 400 degrees. Um, So it's, it's hot. So uh, basically, they're all in like old timey clothes, um, but it's modern day. And Yakko says, "Well, as my friend Huck once said, when it gets hot, it's time for hooky fishing and relaxing." And then Wacko says, "Huck who?" And Yakko says, "Gazuntite." It's a good joke. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so they're wearing clothes like from Huckleberry Finn, basically. Um, yeah. And then they hear some music, and it turns out it's the Ice Cream Man cometh. So. Then they say, all right, team, let's hear it. I scream, you scream, we all scream for. And then uh, Dot misses her cue, so she screams ice cream panel too late. But that's fine. So they're going down um, to go see the ice cream man. But uh, Ralph is guarding, so they ought to, like, figure out some way to trick him. So they start uh, pouring out some frosted cornflakes onto his head. And he... And he it's like, oh, it's snowing. I better get my jacket. And uh, it must be very frosted because I've never had frosted cornflakes that are that frosted, like completely white sugar. So yeah, it's it's. I was, I didn't know it was frosted sugar. cornflakes. I assumed it was sugar or something. But well, anyways, it's uh, just it's frosted cornflakes because later he, you know, Wacko and Yakko, Yakko had a bot, yeah. a bet, and uh, Wacko says, "Pay up." It worked, and. Uh, uh, Yakko says, who'd have thought he'd fall for that corny gag? All right. So uh, Ralph's 
they are now able to get past Ralph. So we see the ice cream man. He's got a line of children. And the first kid wants a double dip chocolate fudge, please. And uh, the ice cream man says that will be 76 cents. And it's like, the kid's like, hey, that was 75 cents yesterday. That's all I brought. And he's like, sorry, kid, inflation. Who's next? You would think the uh, ice cream man would rather get the 75 cents than no cents, but whatever. He seems, he seems to take great pleasure at not giving ice cream to anybody. Yeah, it's like, you, you get that sale, man. Like, save that, your penny short. Take like, a penny, take a penny, leave a penny, you know? Yeah. Like, you're, you're fine, but um, that penny's not going to make... If you're going to raise the price, put it up to a dollar, you know? <laughs> exactly. But, anywho, um, this kid is running home to go get his big brother, and he's like, yeah, well, make sure he brings a penny for you. And so, it's he's not a very nice guy. No. Yakko was up next, I guess, and uh, he doesn't know if he wants a double nutty, crunchy, choco, super ripple supreme with raspberry or the supremely nutty super choco ripple crunchy double with raspberry. Uh, anyways. Uh, <laughs> and this is driving the guy crazy. He's yeah, he's like, like which is it? Um, and he's like, oh, I'll take vanilla. Um, <laughs> so then Yakko's like, oh, it's not every day you get free ice cream. And so he just starts eating the ice cream. And the ice cream man's like, free? What are you talking about? And he's like, hey, unless you're guilty of false advertisement. And you can see his truck is parked right against a pole. So it just says yummy free. And it should say yummy freeze. So yeah. yummy free. Extra yeah, e in the, there. the Z is missing. Yeah. So um, and then so he takes it away. And by the time he takes it away, it's just a popsicle stick. And then. Um, Yakko says, hey, uh, besides, instead of wasting time yelling at me, you might want to uh, stop my brother and sister who are just handing out ice cream to all the kids, including Mindy and Buttons. And Mindy says, thank you, mister. I love you. Bye bye. Yeah, she cute. got a line in finally. In this, yeah. <laughs> um, so and now he is very angry. Um, so he's going to, you know. He grabs Wacko, but Wacko burps right in his face, so he drops him. Um, and then he's upset, and Yakko just starts, or Dot starts kissing him all over, and she's got chocolate all over her mouth. So now he's covered in chocolate. Oh boy, he is just upset. <laughs> yes. Um, they uh, they decide to like. I, I don't know why they throw him in a tree. They're they're trying to go skating, I guess. So they put popsicles on their feet. They're just and, going into basic, tor- like, just drive it sky crazy mode. Right yeah, now. exactly. Um, they climb into his ice cream truck, and it turns into a TARDIS because it's bigger on the inside. It really does. This turns <laughs> into a whole other adventure right now at this point when walking into the freezer. Like, it's definitely bigger on the inside. There's, there's a yes. polar bears. There's penguins in here. Um, when the, the ice cream man chases them in, they start doing a popsicle stick sword fight. Um, and... Dot walks up behind him and hits him with a giant popsicle and walks softly and carry a big ice cream stick. I feel like that's reference to something, but I can't remember what. <laughs> Could it be t- Teddy Roosevelt, perhaps? <laughs> yeah, that's it. He, he he said walk softly and carry a big ice cream stick. That's exactly what he said. <laughs> Quote. Um, anyways, the Warners are suddenly on a, a floating iceberg or whatever that's called. Uh, they're, they're they're floating away on a little ice island. Yes. And they're they're gonna fall off a waterfall. And they're like, help and he's like, Why should I? And he's like, Well, our parents will sue if you don't and then he's like, Oh my gosh, they're right. So he jumps in after him, but um as soon as he jumps, the ice the water is turned to ice, it's frozen over, he falls over the edge of the waterfall, and he's rolls up into a giant snowball. Um, and he's so frozen that his, his mustache cracks off when Dat, when Dot snaps it off. So yeah, it's kinda... we, should, we should mention that this guy looks like, um, like Dirk Dastardly or, you know, yeah, something from like that. those criminal with a yeah. pencil mustache. Yeah. He looks like somebody who would, you'd, uh, who would tie somebody to a railroad track, basically. <laughs> you know, he's, he's got a yeah. new job and it's giving out ice cream to kids. Yeah, and uh, he hates it. All he wants to do is not give ice cream to kids. Yeah, uh, exactly. He doesn't like, care about. Nothing. I should be tying women to railroad tracks. <laughs> well, he breaks out of the snowball, and he's gonna get the kids. And then he notices 
uh, well, they're like, what's that noise? And it's an avalanche, and they all get pushed outside of the ice cream truck. And then that little boy, you know, that he was going to be charged 76 cents for his ice cream. He didn't get any free ice cream because he was away from the area. He's back with his brother, and his brother's a cop. And the cops brought all his cop buddies, and they're writing tickets for everything. Uh, like he's parked too close to a water tower. The bumper's loose. He only has half a mustache. The ice cream bar is missing from the top of the truck. They're finding everything to, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think it ends with them saying, "I'm sure he'll get warm, uh, a warm welcome in the cooler." So yeah, it's, he's getting yeah. sent to jail. Yay! You'll take that for ch- overcharging kids by a penny next time and getting all your ice cream stolen from you <laughs> and then getting <laughs> harassed by kids and and thrown up into the tr- oh my gosh this ice cream man really got punished a lot i mean yeah, yeah. He, he, he was a jerk but but also like it's his right to sell like <laughs> at the price he wants to exactly you can't be like well that's too much so everything's free now and it's not like he like overcharged that much he he <laughs> <laughs> an extra penny how dare oh i know i know well i do i do remember those kinds of people though as a kid though like you know as a kid i remember going in to buy a comic book or something like that and before i knew things about like tax and everything like it's the books the comic book says 75 cents so here's 75 cents for this archie comic book and the people at you know b dalton or walden books sometimes would say okay that's fine or sometimes they would turn you away and go no you need more than 75 cents there's tax and you have to put tax on here and it's like what so i could empathize with that kid a little bit but at the same time it's just a penny kid i mean come on um whatever or at least the the warners could have just given the kid a penny right look don't go back to the ice cream exactly (laughs) whatever well uh what did you think about this last comic nathan um, it wasn't as educational as the first one. It was it? It was still pretty funny, though. It was like it's it was very interesting. This whole time, this TARDIS situation where they go in and they, it, I mean, there's pine trees and there's a waterfall and there's all this stuff that's inside this ice cream truck until they get kicked out the other side again. So it's it was pretty cool. Um, well, let's get to our water tower rating. But before we do, let's just talk about some of the advertisements. Of course, we wrap up this issue with an advertisement for Biodome. <laughs> Woo, never seen it. Arizona. That's right. Well, was it, was it actually filmed in Biosphere 2 or just based upon Biosphere 2? I don't think 2? so, but yeah, it's based on Biosphere 2, which is in Arizona near Tucson even. So yeah, we've been so there. On the outskirts, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's also some uh, video game uh, advertisements. One that was an Aerosmith one here at the end called uh, Revolution X, I believe. And uh, I don't remember playing this. It was for Super Nintendo, Genesis, PlayStation, Sega Saturn, and PC CD-ROM. Um, I don't remember that game at all. It sounds vaguely familiar, but not really. Um, there's another video game called Cyber Mage, which was only available apparently on PC. Uh, First-person point of view in VGA or SVGA. Ooh, I remember VGA graphics. You can buy this at CompUSA, which I don't even think they have CompUSAs anymore. Uh, <laughs> of course, they have uh, a Dungeons and Dragons advertisement and an advertisement here for a Cutthroat Island game, which um, I've never seen Cutthroat Island. I know one of my friends in high school liked the movie quite a bit. I did not see it. And I don't think a lot of other people saw it either. And uh, Earthworm Earthworm Jim 2. And of course, our Levi's ad once again. (laughs) Levi's was paying DC quite a bit of money for their loose-fitting jeans. Nathan, were you familiar with any of those video games? Um, Earthworm Jim? (laughs) Yeah, but did you ever play it? I played a little bit of it, but we didn't have a Genesis Uh, growing up. No, we didn't really play it. Um, I got it on my SNES Classic recently but i didn't really play it on that either yeah well i know it's well it is like just like a cartoon it's really like for the time especially was especially you know just awesome for what it could do looks like you were playing a cartoon not familiar Mm -hmm. with the sequel though 
that much at all. But well, and they also came out with a cartoon, too. So That's true. And uh, with Dan Castanet, I believe, as the voice of Earthworm Jim, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. But it played right alongside the Animaniacs. Yeah, so it's all so. it's all good. Except for Earthworm Jim. I don't remember that cartoon being good. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember it at all. All <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, well, let's go and get to the Water Tower rating. What do you think, Nathan? Out of five Water Towers, how many would you give this comic book? Uh, it's a tough one, because uh, it's fine. Uh, I'll say three and a half. Three and a half Water Towers seems good. All right. Why is that? Um, I liked that the first one was very educational. I learned a lot from it. There was some useless facts. I liked there was the activities. Um, and then that last comic was like, fine. Um, I've seen worse comics, but it's <laughs> not my favorite. <laughs> well, I'm going to give this one four and a half, actually. Ooh. Because even though that last, especially the second time reading through it just then was, was, uh, yeah, I guess they were a little too harsh on that guy. It still felt like, okay, I could see this turning into a cartoon, you know? Yeah, and the first one, I don't think that would be a good cartoon, no, though. not at I all. I mean, I guess you'd have to do it about making a cartoon. cartoon. But yeah. And, I think it would just be boring. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I liked it. I liked the inside jokes. Stuff. I learned stuff uh, at it, and I don't know. I just thought it was really especially, maybe I'm just being especially generous with this one, because last the last issue we reviewed was so bad. So bad. <laughs> yeah. It was just so bad. So to have this as a, it was good. It was, it was nice. I like this one quite a bit. <laughs> so there we go. Well, that'll wrap it up for today's episode. So let's go ahead and get to some contact information. Nathan, where can people get in contact with you? Um, I'm on Twitter. Uh, y O D A P R N C S S. Uh, wait, no, that's, that's Kelly. Not- that's Kelly Yoda Princess. I'm Django FT. That's me. There we go. <laughs> and as for the Animaniacs, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, Discord, as we all mentioned at the top of the show. And of course, we're a proud member of the Retro Zap podcast community. You can uh, check out the Retro Zap podcast feed where you can get every single one of the podcasts that Retro Zap produces free straight to your device, whether it's Star Wars video games, movies, superheroes, whatever aspect of pop culture RetroZap has you covered. So with that, this is Joey and for Nathan, good night everybody. Good night everybody. <laughs> <laughs>